Lastly, before I let David and Wendy do whatever uh, God's led them to do, I want to publicly honor and thank my wife. Uh, yes. She, none of us, none of us would happen without Karis. She's the one who found the place. Um, you know, uh, last year for us to go here, she's the one who uh, gets everything organized. She's everybody formed. She cares for people. Um, and this couldn't happen um, in the way it's happening now. Um, and it, it's not so much a matter of like every cylinder um, clicking and every detail being perfect, although she's covered a lot of those details. It's the substance. God works through her to care and to like nurture and mother like a hen over her chicks. Not calling my wife a hen, but uh, I just can't honor her and thank her enough um, for all that she does that many people don't see, and for always. And I know because I know better than anybody except the Lord. Always even more so than me, considering what's best for other people. That's the real deal. And not announcing that you're considering it, doing it. So, thank you, Karis. Amen. Now, I just want to say, uh, piggyback on that, there was a, I don't know if it was last Saturday or something, you were talking about how like dwelling's kind of lowly, we're not a bunch of special people, we're not like super this, super that, we're not super organized. I was thinking, well, what about Carrie? You <laughs> 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 <We> got Carrie. <laughs> I love it. What about Carrie? <laughs> Amen, bro. <laughs> I'll say something to piggyback off of what Travis said with the authentic, which is very, very kind of you. Um, for whatever it's worth, um, one thing that we have learned by painful experience is that, like, you're going to be a mess sometimes. Um, we get to come here and look really good. <laughs> it's like, um, the, our lives don't always look that good. We have months of doubt sometimes, and days that we cry, days that we fight and fight through stuff, um, days that we don't communicate well, days that, like, it's easy to get the impression that, like, and it's the misfortune of living at a distance. Um, but, like, I don't know. Um, if I could encourage you, it's don't let, don't let your judgments of yourself stop you from doing whatever the Lord says to do. And for trusting him to hope that there's always more and always better. Does that make sense?
it's just it's really easy to get down on ourselves. Um, Wendy and I both do that. We just do it differently. But it's like, you know, encouragement is, is valid, that it's good stuff. Um, thank you. Um, I, I do think if there's an area where we're deficient in the body, it's legit encouragement. Um, and I thank you for that. It really means a lot. Um, you got some words. Um, and not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there were just uh, kind of two different like pictures that I saw um, during worship, and I, I really believe it's for you as a collective group. And um, the first picture I got was like being at a trading post, and everybody had like a leather bag, and it's like the trading post is like out in the middle of nowhere, and it was like a place where you go and you gather the supplies that you need for the next part of your journey. And I really believe that the Lord has supplies for each one of us here this weekend for the next part of your journey. And um, two things, three things into that is number one is I felt like we just needed to ask him to come and fill our leather bags, so to speak, with the supplies that he knows we need. Anything that we have on our heart that we're really asking of the Lord to meet. I really believe he wants to deposit those things. Um, an interesting part along with that was I saw very specific aspects of the nature of Jesus that would be important for you individually and corporately to feast on. I'm not really sure what that means, but like one of the thoughts that came to me, like from my own life, like where there are some concerns and fears that I'm still battling with, I saw the perfect love of God almost like it would be like a, you know, here's the perfect love of God, like you would take and eat and feast on that, and that will dispel and grant strength over. And it's like it's not just his love, but there are various facets of his nature, and he invites us to feast on him through different aspects of who he is, the different names of God, even. You know, I'm no Hebrew expert at all, but like Eruahi and the God who sees, sometimes we just need to meditate on that one truth. He sees me, and it adds encouragement, it adds purpose, it adds strength to whatever we're walking in, whatever we're facing. Um, you know, there are numerous names in scripture. Obviously, there are various facets of Jesus we can gaze on, but it's that whole, you know, what we behold, we become what we behold. And the sense I had was that there's facets of his nature that we can behold and we become. And that there's specific aspects of his nature, individually, maybe even corporately, that you choose to behold that will really be formed in you, that you become, and that it's 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 necessary. It's an, both an invitation, but it's also a provision for what is to come. And then also um, in that too, with like the trading post and like provision. I saw, um, and I've said this, I've even prayed this for some people, but I really believe this for everybody. Like, I, saw, I just see oil. 
and a release of oil to help navigate and shift and, and go with the turns and the changes. Like I just sense that there are changes coming and like the need for oil to be able to just flow through those shifts very effortlessly where you're not striving and putting on something of yourself but where you're able to receive from the Lord and what you receive from Him you're able to just flow in whatever those shifts and changes are so um, I think I'm just going to pray along that and I encourage you to pray as well um, just concerning that word so um, Father I I thank you for your um, kindness to us and that you love to be our provider. You love to be our sustenance. You love to be our all in all. You love it that all of our fountains are in you. And God, I thank you for trading posts, so to speak, where we can come and receive and gather um, specifically, specific provisions for the journey ahead. And so, Lord, I just ask that whatever those provisions are for each person here and for dwelling as a whole, that those provisions would be released to them. That they would have in abundance the provisions they need for the next season and the next part of their journey. That they would have nothing missing and nothing lacking. And I even pray, Father, for the increase of hearts to serve. Like I see one having provisions that can serve and bless and add to another. And the multiplication of that happening. And so, Father, I just ask that you would fill up each one of our bags, so to speak. And I also ask, God, that you would give us a grace to gaze on you to discover the aspects of your nature that we need to be feeding on and that you would grant us the grace to feast on you to behold you i also ask father for a release of fresh oil I just call upon the oil of heaven to be released on each person, on their families, in who they are as a whole family with all the pieces and parts coming together. I just call upon the release of heaven's oil, that the rough places be made smooth, the grace to abide and to flow the grace to rest, to yield back, the grace to not try in the arm of the flesh, but the grace to abide in you and be led by your spirit. I ask God for the increase of wisdom, the increase of understanding. I pray for the increase of love, love for you and love for one another. I ask God that where it is needed, I salve, like salve for the eyes would be applied, that we would be able to rightly see you and rightly see each other. I ask God that where a cleansing is needed, where the old things really are passing away and the new is 
is here and alive and coming forth, Lord. It's even symbolized in all these beautiful babies. Father, that the grace to let the old pass away and to honor the new, even in its smallest seed form, God. I ask for the fullness, the fullness of your presence, the fullness of your love, the fullness of your truth, the fullness of your nature to come forth, to be living in them and living among them. In Jesus' name. The other um, picture that I had was I saw worship and I saw worship of the Lord parting the Red Sea. And worship, we don't worship God so that we get the Red Sea parted. That's not why we worship. We worship God because worship belongs to him and he's worthy of it. But there are impacts in the earth, even in the heavenlies, on account of our worship. And when I saw, it was like this company of, of just people worshiping the Lord and it parting the Red Sea. What I had in my heart to pray is just to pray for your hearts, that God would enlarge your hearts and enlarge your spirits to be able to see him more and honor him more and that your worship of him would just continue to increase and continue to purify and to just to grow. Um, I don't really know that, but it, that's just kind of how it was. It was like just the increase of our hearts and the capacity to worship him in spirit and in truth. So, Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are so worthy of our worship. And I thank you for how you first love us. And because you love us, we can love you. And because you first chose us, we can choose you. And because you're first fascinated with us, we can be fascinated with you. And so, God, I pray for our hearts here, Lord, and I pray for the hearts of this community. And I ask for the increase of a fascination with you, Jesus, and a fascination with you, Father, and a fascination with you, Holy Spirit. And I ask for the enlarged capacity to know you and to love you and to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I also pray for an enlarged capacity to worship you in a spirit of oneness, in union with you and in union with each other, Lord. I ask that you would even like baptize our hearts fresh, fresh with your spirit, fresh with a hunger to know you with fresh eyes. And again, I just get that sense of fascination, Lord. And even like I see it as being as, as we behold aspects of your nature and aspects of your virtue and aspects of who you are, we become more fascinated and we grow deeper in our appreciation of you even in that one aspect. And that our worship will enlarge and grow more in spirit and in truth because of what you show us of who you are. 
And so, Lord, I just ask that you would bless, that you would bless their hearts, you would bless their spirits, you would bless their souls to gaze upon the Lord and to worship you, Lord, wholeheartedly in spirit and in truth. And I thank you for what is proclaimed and released because of your testimony being proclaimed. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so I have a request for a story that came out of last night. Um, we ultimately finally made our way down to the fire and sat in the swings, and that was lovely. Um, and uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a request for a story of something that happened when we were pastoring a church in the church that Travis was at in uh, Northwest Ohio. They it has to do with, um, it's a pretty cool testimony, but it has to do with um, basically driving some nasty stuff out of the town. Before I go into it, I need to give a little bit of background. Um, has everybody heard of the Freemasons? Um, typically, like when people talk about them, and almost everything you hear in media and whatever is like fantasified and made weird. Um, it's that there's like a negative truth, but like when you get down to it, it's like wow, that's pretty far off the mark. Um, so we can go quick, like what they actually are. Um, they're not actually a good organization, but the uh, this, this will not be flattering, but it's not the conspiracy theories that you've probably heard. Um, what they are is like they'll describe themselves as a fraternity. They're like a social club that just happens to be global, like any college will have chapters of a fraternity. That made a whole bunch of different campuses, only they established themselves in cities, not on campuses. And they they are a largely secret society in that all the ceremonies and all the stuff they do, they don't tell anyone, even their own families. That's standard doctrine for them, which is not spiritually healthy. Um, they do have an official religious doctrine, which goes something to the effect that all religions are roughly equal. And that all gods and spirits are roughly equal. Um, I don't know if they quite go to the humanism is the way to go, but it's effectively a humanist kind of mindset. Which our God does not like being equated to other gods. A brief reading of the books of Kings will give you a sense of that. Um, and so, like, again, very spiritually unhealthy. Um, they don't actually have, for the most part, a spiritual belief, but like they want to, like, you know, they want Muslims in the group, and they want every religion, and so they talk about religion, but it's all the same, and that's kind of the way they do that. Um, the organization's been around for literally hundreds of years. They have a deep history. Um, they've tended to attract wealthy people, so they have deep pockets, which is why they all have their own buildings, and they create service organizations. They have a lot of subsidiaries. Um, many of them that give to charities. Uh, the Shriners is a Masonic organization, and they've literally built and funded the Shriners hospitals. They've done some good in the world. Um, they also create a lot of spiritual jank for the aforementioned reasons. Um, most of the jank is on them personally. It's just Masonry. It's the gift that keeps on giving. 
Um, they, in their ceremonies, if you do some research, you can get all of them. All of, none of their ceremonies involve blood sacrifices or people getting injured. Um, they're all like more like liturgy spoken out loud. Um, the uh, but a lot, but almost all of them have like their initiation ceremonies involve the person that wants to come in being blindfolded, and they go through a liturgy, and like. In their liturgy, they'll like have one person stand in for this false god, and another one stand in for that one, and someone else recite a couple of scriptures, and someone else a couple of verses out of the Quran. Um, and they have a whole bunch of different levels to what they do. So there's like a bottom level initiation, and it learns some stuff, and then there's a second level, and a third level. Um, they call them degrees. There is a 33rd degree mason, like Masonic level. There aren't actually 33 levels, though. There's like 12. There's, there's a great deal of nonsensical qualities to this. Um, but what gets really, really, really nasty personally is to go into the organization, they take a whole bunch of vows to never share anything and to keep their vows on pain of death. Things like, I agree to have my body ripped apart with hooks. Like, Vividly described stuff that they take as vows. Well, the power of life and death is held in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. They kind of mean it, and they kind of don't, but it still carries power over themselves. Um, I found a lot of, there's a lot of people that do deliverance ministry that end up, when they talk about dealing with stuff that's like in someone's family tree and things that have issues. And, Whatever else, masonry comes up over and over and over again. Like anyone who gets into that ministry is going to deal with helping people get free of masonry because for some reason, and I'm not aware of any vow, very many vows that have anything to do with family members. Most of them are personal, but it tends to fall on the children. Um, manifests a lot of specific health problems. Um, sometimes, like you can, you can even follow like the parents got to this level. Therefore, the children have these health problems. Um, it's the, the spirits behind it are, for something that seems like entirely a social organization, they're inordinately stiff and annoying. Um, the, and I've got some personal stories of working with people and stuff, um, but I won't go into those. Um, the other thing that's relevant for our story is they do get focused on land and building design. Um, a lot of the founding fathers of our nation were also Masons, and as the stories go, they did some of their revolutionary planning and Masonic meetings because those were secret and they would be hidden from British prying eyes. I don't actually know if that's true or not, but they pretend it is. They'll have pictures of George Washington in their buildings. Um, the prisoning over Masonic meetings. Um, but um, like the symbols on our money, those are the, like the, the pyramid thing. That's a Masonic emblem. Um, the uh, they do a lot of obelisks, the pointed spire buildings. Um, there's there was some intent when DC was laid out and designed the architect. Some of the chief architects were Masons, so they tried to work some stuff in. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of there in our history. Um, but like I said, they do get into land, and they get into designing things, and they get into buildings and architecture. And so sometimes what they do will affect a region. It's a 
shocking level of darkness for what is mostly a social organization. I'm, to this day, I'm kind of awed by it. Um, it seems disproportionately strong, but oh well. So here's the story that's interesting. So I was in Bryan, Ohio, I was pastoring. It was a brutally difficult season. Um, the, uh, and I won't go into all that made that season really, really hard, but it was a very hard assignment of pastoring and working with that church. Um, and we were a family trying to live and do and breathe and have our being. And the town had its own levels of oppression, the worst I've ever seen. But between being exhausted and worn out from the church, miles and miles and miles away from the family and support systems and everything else, it was like, when you deal with the darkness in the town on top of that, it's kind of like, just enough is enough. Um, and I had a day that I was in my backyard, I think mowing the grass, something like that, and I, I just finally was like, I have had enough. Like, I would like my own yard to be peaceful. And it was just, if you live in a region, it, it tends to affect. And I finally was like, what, what is this? Like, I know we don't have a support system doing anything about it, but like, enough is enough. I, I want, we're going to end something that we're dealing with on our plate. And uh, he came back and was like, what you're dealing with is masonry. That's, that's what you're feeling right now. I'm like, oh. Let's kind of know what to do with that. All right. So, how bad is the problem? And what do we need to do? And so I started praying about it. My sense was, he was like, "You need to leave the whole church and announcing it." Which is fine. I'll do it. The, the problem is, the whole church had no idea how to handle spiritual warfare. Um, I was kind of brought on because no one was comfortable dealing with it. Like, things would get weird. It was kind of like, call David. He was a gentleman named Clyde, that they would also call. And <laughs> Clyde is awesome. Um, and like, we'll do it to him, and we'll sweep it under the rug, and we don't have to deal with it. That was kind of our approach to warfare. Um, and most people in the, the congregation weren't all that interested in it either. So I didn't teach on it. I didn't make a habit of it. I felt like they had bigger spiritual issues to fry anyway. So I tended to focus on all those stuff too. So I was like, oh, so we're going to leave them in spiritual renunciation to cleanse the town. This ought to be interesting. Um, and so I was like, oh, let me do some research. And because I don't like to just jump out completely on a blind word, I like to confirm it if I can. So I went and did some research. I asked around, tried to get some town history. Come to find out, that town had major roots for masonry. Like, it was at a time, like, 50 years before, like, one of the most popular organizations in town, like, a huge chunk of the town used to belong to it. They put out large floats in every town parade and march in it, like, I was like, oh, that explains the feeling. This is not just a minority. Okay. Um, and then I, there was a, the, the lady I got on this off of was someone who's, Kind of loosely okay with warfare, like one of those that was like had a toe into it once in a while and wasn't completely weirded out by the concept. Kind of look for those people when you can find them. And and so I was asking her about this, and she was like, "Oh yeah, no, it was a real thing." She didn't know anything about masonry, but she like, knew it was there. And I said, "Has anybody ever that you're aware of in the church, any any pastor ever spoken against it?" 
She was like, no, half of them were in it. Oh, of course. Um, she didn't quite phrase it like that, but that was the impression I got. Um, and I said, so no one's ever really tried to like repent for and renounce this off the time. Oh, no, no, definitely not. Okay, check. This does need to get done. So then I spent like another week praying about it and decided I would do like two-part teaching. One was like really understanding how oppression gets formed and how it gets claws into people. Because they just didn't know. Um, generally, I tell most believers, it's like, if you'll just do what God says to do, you'll be free from 99% of it. It's not really an issue. Unless you're led to go confront things, it's not an issue. I don't think most people are really like drawn into that. And I think that's fine. Um, I get to be, but sometimes I'm weird, so that's okay. Um, so, I was like, well... Let's do that side. I did the introductory lesson, and they were like, "Dear Hellenites, wow, that's really interesting." Okay, and for for them that was Sunday. They went home. I said, "Next week we're going to do something like this." And they're like, "All right." So they all come back the next week, and I did, I did a little bit more detail of some of that. Just like, this is what masonry is, and this is why it's unhealthy. And they were like, "And, and you can see them like, okay." And I said, "Here's what has not been done." This has been so embraced by the town, it needs to be like formally renounced by more than just yours truly. So if you're willing, this is what we're gonna do. And you can get the information of like what their specific vows are that they, they do for their ceremonies and whatnot. And so I went through and I had dug all that up, and there are people that you know, specialize in this that write pronunciations like. So you can just kind of hit all the details. Sort of like a sinner's prayer, but it's like, and here we go. So I went through one of these, and I, I just was like, we're going to do this like the children of Israel did when they would reread the law, and we would say amen at the end of this. If you agree, say amen. If you don't, just be quiet, and we'll love you anyway. And we're like, cool. So we went through and just, there's a chunk, renounce it. Everybody said, amen. There's a chunk, renounce it. Everybody said, amen. You can feel the presence of God. Like, it was really powerful. Just the, the sense of the whole thing. Get through, we do two services of this. So the whole church, you know, showing like 200 people over the now officially renounced things on a small town, which is marvelous. Yes. Here's the testimony comes. That's two testimonies. One is they didn't drag me out and stone me. The second part, though, you know, or call me any weirder than they already did. The second part, though, is that we had a guy, this is Dave. Useless stuff less, kind of 
be gentle with him, Lord, kind of prayer. A few days later, um, I'm getting stuff done around the house, and Dave comes to the door. Pastor Dave, you won't believe it. Mike, what's up? Is he really going to pray for? Yeah, he just went to the doctor. Uh huh. Clear. Brain cancer gone. And this is the part that was really cool. He knows it was Jesus, and that's all he can talk about. Wow, awesome. Yes. <laughs> so we told the church the next the next week. And I said, please don't like bug the guy like, you know, like, about everything we did, but like God is good. Yes, that's my story. Um, that was kind of a, that was a good day. But, you know, and truly, the town felt a bit lighter after that. It was kind of nice. Um, I could mow my grass mostly in peace now. That was a good day. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm staring at the wall. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is asking about that story, so I told him to share it. But I think that, I mean, when I heard that thing, but I think that just so connects. It's such a specific piece of God saying, you know, let's bring down the gates mm-hmm. of the city. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah, there were some things in there that we never did quite get to the bottom of the road of the town. That was one that was the truly telling one now for when it happened like that. Um, I don't
church, a lot of churches don't like mess. And so I just felt like what you're saying about your story, I think we need to be prepared and we need to know what to do and how to help people to get free because people want to get free um, and they don't know who to go to. Um, I feel like too, there's a podcast I um, listened to a while back on this one Catholic priest in Canada who's like one of very few that actually go into homes and help people get free of stuff going on in their home that's supernatural that they know does not feel good. And um, he was just like imploring the church to wake up to this need, this very real need that that this warfare aspect of um, the spiritual realm is very real and we need to know how to pray and how to know that we have authority in the Lord. Like he's given us the tools, he's given us the authority here on earth to um, to know how to pray and and to just not mess around and to acknowledge it. Because if we don't acknowledge it, Satan is happy. He can keep moving and keep destroying lives and destroying people. And so, um, yeah, I, I feel like there's a big need and we need to be aware and acknowledge it and to not be afraid of the mess because we want to see people set free. And the after, the after effects is so worth going through the mess. <laughs> To have uh, people have that freedom is just amazing. A couple things that might be worth noting. Um, if you want to get a really good encouraging set of videos, just thinking of this. Anybody ever heard of this video called Finger of God? Yeah. If you haven't, look it up. The guy that made it did four of them. Um, but he. He started, he was like, it, it started with like a random sign in the wonder that he saw. And he was like, I didn't know God did stuff like this. Let me do some research into what else is going on in the world. And the Lord literally, literally takes him all over the world in between the four videos and makes one of documents like, this is what I saw, this is what God's doing, this is what he spoke. And you get the sense that his life was very changed by that experience. But he gets into one where he starts doing some stuff on deliverance and what, what's going on in the world and the power of God and it's, it's cool. Um, I will warn you the latter couple of videos start touching on really deep issues. Maybe screen them before you show your children. Um, the first couple, the first one in particular, my kids grew up looking at um, Gracie and Samuel and I don't understand how that Yeah, but um, they're really encouraging. Um, something else though about um, about demons is worth keeping in mind if you're going to ponder this and what goes on in the earth they they're beings that rebelled against the Lord and are totally cut off from him you know Jesus said of the devil he's the father of lies and the truth is not in him literally does not have the truth, believes his own hype. They're the most deceived beings in existence. That doesn't mean they're not potentially dangerous, but they're not quite what we look at them sometimes. But one, something the Lord kind of showed me once, and I've really come to believe this is true, 
all life and light and healing comes from the Lord. Like, being regenerated is the work of Christ. They don't have access to that. Tactically, this makes life very bad for them. Because through the centuries, warring against the church will wear them out. Anyway, I, I believed this for a while. Um, had an interesting confirmation of this. We went to Italy with a guy just like a mission trip. Mostly we followed him around and taught. But um, what was really interesting to me is we were going all over Italy. The place, by and large, is peaceful and clean in spirit. People have their issues, people have their own strongholds. The place isn't, it's not like so clean you want to eat off it, kind of clean, but it's cleaner than the States. Cleaner than some churches in the States. Um, and I was like, how is this possible? They've got like the most deep-seated religious spirit ever. Uh, Vatican City. Um, they've got horrible history of bloodshed. You know, reading Italy's history is like a who's who's of people that were killed or killed people. Um, you know, you've got Rome exporting the Pax Romana. I mean, it's like, like, where are you? How is this possible? And I was like, oh, what's going on? He was like, well, yeah, you've also got 2,000 years of mothers and sons and grandmothers praying for their families. Christianity, the real thing, has been here too for 2,000 years. You think that's not going to have an impact? And I, like I saw pictures of my grandmother praying for her kids in a little village, disconnected from everything, and, and you know, a church gathering where you know, it wasn't all religious for a year or three. You know, it's like just there's genuine faith and genuine stuff. Even sometimes people under great bondage will still seek the Lord. It's wearisome. A lot of what we feel about land isn't isn't nearly as strong as it would like to be anymore, um, which I find absolutely fascinating. And I thought of it was like, well, we've got all these people that came here from religious persecution or serious prayer wars, like, but we only got about four hundred years of history. Um, has a lot been done? Yep. If you think about what used to be here, it was pagan Indian tribes. Um, the history books gloss over how nasty some of their practices really were that they kept as culture. Um, I have a lot of respect for the Native Americans, but like it doesn't do us any good to spiritually gloss over the significance of what was there. Um, yeah, we went two thousand years of that, probably longer. Um, maybe five or six. I don't know. Long period of time. Uh, and then, of course, we've imported. You know, mess from other nations and whatever else here at the same time. There's been plenty of fight over. Um, keep praying. The church will eventually wear it out. It's not a bottomless fight. The enemy's resources are not infinite. It's not just that if you cast something else, it goes somewhere else and causes trouble again. It sustains damage in the casting out process and goes somewhere else weaker to cause trouble again. They're persistent, but they're not.
um, serving God is indifferent. Um, when his angels do get involved in the fray and take damage, he can heal them like that. It does. And when we get tired and we don't leave our lives and we die, the Lord raises up another generation to carry the fight, fresh for the fight, generation after generation. The church is on the winning side. Um, the question is, if you want to view it in terms of the fight, how much damage do you get to do in our time? It's cumulative. I used to have this kind of depressed feeling like, ugh, kick them out, lose them, what's the cost trouble, what's the point? Um, point is, I don't like watching them in front of me. <laughs> so, okay, we'll kick them out anyway. But I didn't, I really didn't quite grasp this. Like, they, they don't regenerate. Um, you get to a point where all of planet Earth is an unpleasant place for demons and it's largely depopulated. I do think that's what will happen. That's what I'm just Lord willing to be hysterics. That is the eventual looking at it. That's where it uh, It's just a question of how long will it take? Um, how serious will the church be in their soon the Lord doing what he calls us to do? But, like, when he gets rid of people, the impact is real. Um, so, it's a, it's a winning fight, which is really cool. I have a question. Sure. I'm a teacher, and a lot of people in here also are. And there's a lot of times where I know, like, this, there is something demonic in this child mm-hmm. or in their life, you know? And I always want to be careful how I'm praying because, like, I don't want to do, like, I don't want to, I just don't know how it all works in the spiritual in terms of, like, they're going back to their house tonight, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, like, if I'm not equipping them with the Holy Spirit, I don't want to, like, you know, sometimes I'm just not sure. Like, it's like, I know spiritual warfare needs to happen for this child. And what is my role and what do I, how do, how do I most effectively pray for this child who's in my room right now? I don't know that there's a one size fits all answer to that. Well, I don't think there is. Yeah, no. There's a, something I used to teach and what I used to do is I would pray over my room. Yeah. And I do this for my house too. People come over and visit. Is I mandate everything demonic is getting shut down while people are here. You know, if a person is given permission for something to be in their life and it's there and it's got a foothold, it's welcome to stay. It's just going to behave. Yeah. It doesn't have to like it. It's going to behave anyway. If it refuses to behave, that's going to get interesting fast. Um, and it's just like I would address misbehavior from students. Yeah. I would absolutely address it from demons. Um, just not in anyone else's hearing. Right. But um, what I'll do is I'll go for just shut down. You can stay, but you're going to behave. You're not going to whisper in the kid's ear. You're not going to turn against anything I tell them. 
you're not going to silence the voice of truth. And then I asked the Lord to start whispering truth to the students. Yeah. Like, why not? We need truth in the world. Part of the job of being teachers is to give students information they don't have. And I think giving them access to the Holy Spirit and letting him present truth to them in a non-manipulative, God helps them see what he wants them to see for today which may not be a spiritual conversion, it may just be like, you know, you really don't have to hit your neighbor to get your way. <laughs> Sometimes with kids, that's a revelation to them. Um, and, uh, you know, or to help them learn the material. Um, the, in, in doing that, there's, there's life and a lot of good that can happen. And you know, sometimes God can set them up for massive deliverance down the road. Uh, so as you don't really know what the seeds are that get sown, the, the more room you can make for just the Lord to come out of this way presently. That's my general, that would be my typical approach for most of my students. If you've got one that the Lord's like, no, I, I want I want that. Then it's, then I take that one separately. And I'm like, all right, Lord, what do you want to do? I take Mary my general approaches to shut stuff down. Like people come visit my house, like I my heart is I want them to be themselves. Um, I don't care if you're a practicing witch. I want you to be yourself if you come visit my house. I don't want demonic stuff whispering in your ear. There's a difference. Does that make sense? Um, we can get downright witchcrafty when we're like, I'm going to show that, like, I don't like it, it's not moving. That's that's not the goal, you know, to this Christ who comes to you. And the Holy Spirit is freedom, where, where his spirit is. Um, a lot of Christian witchcraft, I think, comes in, that's what I call it, when, like, we get really, like, way too possessive and controlling, um, and we try to manipulate things in the spirit, it's like, you're going to do what I think you ought to do. Um, you're going to see The microphone is going to stop when it wants to stop. It's going to power. Yeah, it is. Um, but, uh... Grab one of the other ones. Oh, other way. Um, but what I do with um, with people is I really I want them to be themselves. I want them to be free to be themselves. I want them to be free to ask questions and to gripe if they want to complain and whatever that looks like. Uh, and I'm going to be free to be myself. Um, we get in trouble when we try to control. Yeah. And we're like, I don't like that attitude. You're not going to be allowed to like, you know, with children, we want to correct our children. And confront stuff like that, but with adults, like there's, you know, I don't have a right to make you feel something. That doesn't, that's not okay. It just kind of makes some sense. There's a principle here for all, but uh, that's kind of how I handle that. Um, my favorite student, coincidentally, like my actual personal favorite student of all time when I was teaching high school, was a practicing wicked. The, uh, I had more fun chatting with her than anyone else in the class. Um, next in line was 
her best friend, who was a committed Christian. Third in line was their sort of, like in their own set of friendship, was a girl who was um, an atheist. So like, it was a really entertaining group in my classroom. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but like one of the rules for my classroom was nothing demonic is going to move here, period, in the story. Like, we're just not even talking about that. Um, which guy? I'm assuming that this, these sort of ground rules and that sort of thing aren't things that you do, like, verbally in the context of, like, with the people that are mm. going no, no, that's stuff I'll pray before anyone arrives. Um, the, uh, I, like, we'll pray over our house sometimes when people come visit. Um, we don't stop to do it every time, but, like, especially if we're aware that there's issues, we'll, we'll stop to do that. Um, yeah, we want them to be able to receive. Um, <laughs> I'm a <break>. <laughs> It's no fun being oppressed. It really isn't. Um, the, uh, it's no fun being tangled up with issues. The, uh, so. What is your lifestyle? I do. Yes. What story are we telling? Ones, and then everyone follows suit. It's it's not 
it's very um it's very um cruel but it's effective unfortunately so um there's this one kid um who um i don't remember his name but i have a picture in my mind right now but um he was getting tormented by a demon and he really constantly walked around with this nervousness you know that was that was he was and i knew immediately he's not meant to do that he's not meant to be paid or like to travel down so like there was this one of that was just on him whispering in his ears like, I whacked him out. I, I, I literally just whacked him like, no, you go away now. And um <laughs> and I was like, okay. You should, you should specify. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I kinda I, yeah, yeah, anyway. Um so I instantly I saw improvement with him, he immediately like calm and like clicked in and we also he was in my group project, which we presentation, which unfortunately they did not choose the best decisions because they gave me the most important part of the presentation, even though I knew the least about the project because I was out a couple days. But whatever. He, through the entire presentation, was um, devoid of all nervousness and, like, compared to everyone else, it was like, like an instant, like, wow. Unfortunately, the demons, which were so used to walking around and like doing whatever they wanted, find it ceased and this kid right there that seems completely normal and just and then suddenly is doing stuff to them. And it's like, what? Uh, we, we can't just let this happen, right? Right? So he brings his friends along and uh, starts. Um, Influencing um, everyone trying to make my life harder. Of course, I didn't know this until I finally figured this out on my own. Awesome, that's why it's slightly harder. Um, and so, uh, and so I, there was, I effectively went into the lunchroom and they kind of tried to surround me and do stuff to me. I didn't let them. So, um, um, I effectively, um, Basically, uh, I don't want to get into stuff like spiritual weapons, which is exactly what I used, but just know that it was very tiring afterwards, and um, I, I effectively cleared out the school um, of minor demons, not the, the, the major ones that are basically, that, that were just... just there, which I sense is like in every middle school for some reason. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, so I did all that, and it was fun. And then after, and after science class, I was like, I, I brought fourth year, and I was like, wow, this is tired. I feel good, but awesome. <laughs> this is tired. Anyway, it was, it was great. you have is a story where it was like he would do something and they would respond and it slowly escalates. Um, which I don't know if it's like that way. Um, and uh, in terms of spiritual weapons, you can get kind of weird with this, but and, um, 
much everything involving the demonic is done by a way of authority. Um, so if you have authority, you can have a sure command. And anything you have authority over doesn't get a whole lot of choice but to obey. Um, and then if they still resist, then you can call on resources to enforce it. It's pretty much like it works in the natural. And um, one of the things, if you can... Some people naturally see stuff in the spirit or perceive. Others, it's, they don't function as much that way. Um, Wendy doesn't tend to see as much. She'll hear words from the Lord. Um, a lot of her communication with the Lord, a lot of her perception is like, she'll be talking, and the Lord just jumps out of her mouth, and we look back and go, ah! Or she'll sit down with a notebook, and the Lord will just talk to her in words, quietly in her mind, but like she'll know these are the words, literal English words the Lord is speaking. Um, for me, and Samuel's a lot this way, like we tend to see stuff. I ask a question, and I get a picture. And then I go into, like, well, how do we interpret that picture? Um, and there's a lot of this kind of, there's a, there's a language that wraps around that. But what also happens is, and this is what Sam was talking about, is oftentimes I actually see what's going on in the spirit. It's not just symbolic, like, you can see the demons moving around and harassing this person and being over here, or perceive that there's one that way, or whatever. Sitting here right now, but it like does this make sense? Well, what I found, and I explained this to him, is that you can, once you can interact with something, you can use authority to determine how the interactions go. So, like, if I perceive a wall in the spirit, and it'll fall. Or I can direct one. It's the same if there's authority over that space. Um, there are little weapons that do exist in the spirit. There's some references in scripture of angels carrying flaming swords and stuff like that. That's available too and can be called on, which is what he started doing. Um, I don't use that as a I prefer to give a hard word. Why do they have a right to be here? Their rights. It's a cleaner way, and nothing can come back. It's not about like a tit for tat kind of force based thing. There are times for that, though. Um, I, I recommend if you end up wanting to go deep into this, one of the smartest things just tactically to learn is to listen to the Lord and go, Is this a time for force or is this a time to do authority? Because um, when you get, you try to like take force against stuff with authority, you spread yourself out. Um, and you may set yourself up for prizes. Um, the uh, which is where um, where you can get yourself into trouble. Um, on the other hand, if you try to go the authority route, you're going to see your house days and get nowhere. If the Lord's like, no, go to war. <laughs> um, it is you want to use the appropriate tools. Sometimes you can get away with either one. Or it's like, I don't care, just get it done. Um, I've had some days like that too. Those are fun days. I like those days. Um, but uh, Samuel hadn't had a lot of background in this, so he comes home telling us what happened. This is what gets really entertaining. So Wendy's like, because we've lived through kick something and kicked back. 
and it's bad. <laughs> so she's like, Okay. Please make sure he's okay. <laughs> like, he's not gonna like pay an awful price for this, right? And like, so she starts like really, really being afraid. And I was like, hmm, let me ask. Or, no, this is training, he's fine. You sure? Yep, no, he's fine. So I started talking to Samuel about this, because this isn't like an everyday thing for him. And I was like, tell me what else happened. So he gives me the blow by blow, like the real details of like all the, the smidges and stuff, like the little things. And he starts talking about there's a point where the Lord took him someplace um, after the fact. And it, it is the kind of thing that would end counterattack from happening, which he didn't know about. But the place the Lord took him, I've seen before. Never told anyone about it. Never described it to anyone. And he's like, yeah, it looked like this, it was like this, it connects like this. He starts to describe, I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, he's fine. <laughs> he's good. That was the word. And uh, that was a fun day. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I had a great day. <laughs> Especially when I was praying at the Gracie's house when they were kids, and I think it applies to many of the kids here. 
that they're a generation of encounter. That like God has has decided that He's going to be encountering on that generation. And so the manifestations in their lives are going to be unique and different and what God has for them. And I think one of the best things that we can do is make room. Make room for who they are and to make room for their encounter with the Lord and to make room. And I've not been a great example of that. Um, it's what I'm learning because, like, I just, the last thing I ever expected from Samuel, the last thing I ever expected from Samuel at that point in life is, yeah. And I was like, really? Like, you, you decided this over the weekend? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, good. Um, Lord, give us wisdom. And then I was like super thankful for this one here. Because I'm, like, I'm so glad you see in the spirit because I don't. And I have no idea how to steward this in his life. But I'm so grateful that you do. And so there are different portions and different parts that we have the anointing and the authority from the Lord to steward. And that's not only for our own children, but that's for other people too, as God brings them to us. Like there's certain authority we have. Um, and certain places that we can store it, but then it's like, it's like, that's not my, I don't have, that's not what I have the wheelhouse. It's not the tool belt that God's put, but you know what? God's given this person the tools for this. And that's where it's so important to build a relationship and to build a knowing and to build a connection. And I can honestly say this, even within our own family, you know, one of the things I was sharing yesterday about, you know, do you want the truth or do you want an appearance? And one of the things that the Lord was highlighting, do you want true connection in your family? true, genuine relation knowing, or do you want appearance? And like one of the things that we've really been working and seeking to cultivate in our family, and it's hard, because we all have our, our stuff and issues and this and that, but true, genuine connection, because it's the connection that allowed us to have that conversation. It was the connection that allowed Samuel to share when we're sitting at the dining room table, you know, the kitchen table actually, and like, okay, how was your day? And he's like, Has this like real mischievous look on his face. I'm like, really? And then he starts talking. I'm like, okay. Um, but it's like, I think that's the power in knowing each other, and that's the power of connection, and that's the power of being able to give people room to be who they are and to be where they are. You know, and I have to be honest, my kids are not always where I want them to be. But you know, it's not about what I want for them. It's about the process that God has for them. It's about the molding and the authoring and the authority of what he's doing in their lives. And it's for me to surrender and to let go and say, okay, God, how can I join you in what you're doing? Anyway, that's second. I think there's a couple things that are good. Good things. One is, there's a warning out of the Gospels that I kind of take to heart with their kids. I think I've recorded this verse for this purpose before. But, you know, when Jesus went into his hometown and started talking about what God wanted to do, like he said, here's my purpose. This has been fulfilled in your territory. It's going to be awesome. They were like, no. You're Jesus the carpenter's son. You're supposed to be a construction worker, not the Messiah. And they throw him out. Like, it's really easy in the familiar with the people we live with to forget that God is involved in their lives. And you're going to go, like, when you raise the kids, 99 out of 100 days, they're going to be uneventful. When they're babies, they're going to spit up, they're going to fill their diapers, they're going to do all the stuff that babies do, 
and then they're going to do a prophetic word. And then they're going to go right back to filling the diapers and doing all the stuff that babies do, or that toddlers do, or that whatever else. They're going to have issues. They are completely They're not angels in the flesh that never mess up. And to remember that, that we have this treasure in imperfect vessels. Like, that demonstrates the power of God. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, and this is one of those it's easy to get offended over, is I had a, this, I, I lived this one. I, I had a like, deep desire for encounter. I, when I was in high school, I was like, Lord, I want to know your voice. I, by the time I had gotten to like the end of high school, I could count on one hand the distinct number of times that God was trying to communicate with me. I spent hours in prayer, tons of time reading the Bible. Like, in terms of like terrible batting average for encounters, I was pretty darn good at it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> there came a point where the Lord started to really uncork that for me. But it was after quite a time that I had a real hunger. Like, I was like, Lord, I'd love to see some of these cool visions. Like, read stuff in Ezekiel and Isaiah. And, like, they'd be before God's throne and be overwhelming. I'm like, come on, Lord. Why not me? And crickets trip. Be the typical response evening. Um, well, my junior year of college, I, I made friends with a guy who was Methodist, no background in any of the supernatural, but we really hit it off. And I felt like, I was like, maybe a prayer partner for him. Like, we should just get together once a week and pray for each other. And just, we both were like, yeah, we should do that. And so we started doing that. And at one point, he was like, what do you know about like the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They'll fill us if we ask. And then stuff happens. I can't really tell you more than that. Like tongues is common, but like there's no scripture that says it's a must, just so you know. Um, we can ask. <laughs> He's like, yes, yes, please. So I laid hands on him and prayed over him. And he was like, felt the presence of God, it was really nice, it was a wonderful day. Well, the next, then I told him, I said, other stuff may happen, and if it does, we just go with it, because we want God, we want anything he wants to do. He was like, yes. Well, I get word from some friends of mine, that my friend is completely freaking out, and he's trying to find me. So I go home all over campus until I finally pop into it, and he's like, <laughs> just really like in shock, like ghost white as a sheep. He's like, you've got to hear what happened. And he starts describing this encounter where he saw a whole bunch of demons and he saw the Lord do a thing. And he was thinking, like, what he saw happen was like this seeing the spirit, and therefore we had lots of demons around whatever else. And I was listening to him and I was like, he got to a certain point and I went, no, that's not what just happened. And what? I said, you have vision. This is a thing God is showing you. It's a lesson to learn from. And he was like, oh, we took some time to pray to do it. And we got a real sense of the interpretation of it and lesson for him. And I don't remember what any of that was. Um, I barely remember elements of the vision other than it really freaked him out. And uh, after that, I was like, 
two more out of the way. Um, you'd think like, we're praying this, which is like, I'd be happy about that. I kind of was, but I was like, I'm in the way, very jealous. Yeah. He's been like asking about this stuff for all of 20 hours. I'm going on like eight years now. Like, you think I could get one of these? No. <laughs> like, this, this was kind of the thing. And I, I was like, I'm really happy for him, but like, come on, what gives? I don't remember he answered me on the spot. I, I was getting to a point where I give answers to things. I'm like, I can understand what he was trying to tell me much more readily, but it was pretty soon after. I don't know if it was then or it was just a little while later he gave me an answer. He took me to the scripture of uh, the, the servants that work in the field. It goes like this, you know, a guy has like a vineyard and some workers. He goes out in the morning, he finds some workers, they get some work done. He's like, we don't have enough. So he goes out with some more, and he gets some more, he gets some more, he goes throughout the day. And I guess at the end of the day, he goes to pay them. And the ones that showed up at the end of the day that had only been working for like an hour or two, he pays the first. Then he pays, and he goes down the list. He doesn't want the same thing, but he pays the people that showed up later first. And he was like, that's what's happening here. He's been at it for no time at all. I'm about to start paying, but I'm paying him first. And I was like, okay, I'll take that as a hope for more. Why are you doing this? Here's the part where it's helpful for parents. Um, he said, because he needs you, and you not need to not be wrapped up in this. I give you something new that's going to distract you. He needs you level and grounded right now. I'll get to you soon. Or later, or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, I can live with that. Um, and he had a few more instances. And I, I look back and I'm like, yeah, as he started getting more settled into that, that's when stuff started opening up for me. More stuff. I still haven't had much of a way of like open eye. I see a completely overwhelming vision. Like I still tends to be a little softer than that. Um, but it's like definitely starting to see way more after that. Um, but if your parents and you're praying for your kids and you want your kids to have encounters and want them to know everything that you know in God, my fair warning for you is be prepared for him to do stuff with them that he's not done with you that will challenge your doctrine, challenge your faith, and challenge your sense of justice. He's not real enamored with our clever definitions. Um, and he'll use your kids to confront them. And the challenge is going to be, can you go with it? Can you be the level parent who loves your child and encourages your child to pursue the supernatural, to pursue the Lord, and to walk with the Lord? and grants them some grounding and wisdom in it, helps them discern what's going on, keep the flow going and not turn it off. Um, that's the challenge. Um, if we do it, there's tremendous potential for their growing in the Lord and the life they have, and potential for even more being made available in homes. Um, you know, I wish I could say that we had stuff like that, like single story happen every day. It's pretty rare. That's what makes it a good story. Like, we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> remember that time? But, um, you know, God does what he does. He doesn't fit in the times and times. It's fun like that. What's up? Thank you, Lord. This is a thought I have when you guys were talking about the remains 
students, but the atmosphere that impacts not just me and the students and the shows and how they run. And what I've gotten into the habit of doing is um, I'm very thankful that I can see a lot of stuff and I have a very sense, good sense of feeling and I can really see how things interact. And I've gotten into the habit of telling them when I'm in the room, or when I'm in the show, or when I have any part in the atmosphere, I tell them you can't work in this area. So that has led to, especially the last like, year, year and a half, a lot of our shows at our school have been a lot smoother in that. Even though I don't have authority over the classroom because I'm not a teacher, I am still in the atmosphere and I'm still a part of that environment. So I do that a lot. Even in like my classrooms, if I'm sitting in a social studies class or an English class, I do that same thing. I'm like, I might not be the teacher, but I'm in this classroom and I'm in this environment. So I do that a lot. I know that we'll be packing up. There's a lot of packing that's already happened, but there's a, a final hanging out and wrapping things up. And Lord, I ask that you would help us with that process, not to leave messes behind that the camp has to deal with. They've been very gracious to have us here and very accommodating. Lord, I ask that you would bless them. Bless Robbie and his family. Bless the campgrounds. All this kind of stuff that this would be good for others and you know, for others here.